Well, good morning, Vineyard. It's good to see everybody this morning. Say good morning to your neighbor. And then just because we're just a friendly bunch, just yell across the room to somebody you don't know. Jeff is in the house. Good to see you, brother. Well, we are going to, um, man, expectation of what Jesus is going to do this morning. Amen. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And uh, as our national leader always used to say, like, come as you are, but don't stay that way. Let the, let the Holy Spirit do something in you, change something. Whatever you brought that you got to get rid of, just give it away. So let's just take a deep breath. Let's just ask, Holy Spirit, come. We just thank you, Jesus, for your love, your kindness. We thank you for your faithfulness. Let us just be in this place where we're open. We have our ears open to hear. We have our eyes open to see. And open our hearts to just receive. Sometimes that's the hardest thing is for us to receive the love that you pour out for us. And we thank you. Just be in our service this morning and uh, those who need encouragement, Lord, I pray that you encourage. And those, Lord, that just need a fresh touch or maybe even know that you're real, that you make yourself real for them this morning. Maybe today's a great day for you to meet Jesus for the first time. What an amazing thought. We love you, Lord. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, everybody say goodbye to, or goodbye. Yeah. Everybody say goodbye. That was it. Short services day. Yeah, a little Freudian. Yeah, shortest service on. Yeah, you guys are like, hey, I didn't even think I was at church today. No, say good morning to our Facebook family. We are so appreciative of our online people. Yeah, so if you feel like standing, you can get to your feet. We just honor any kind of uh, expression of worship. Just make sure if you're like flyers, you, you have enough room around you that you're not like whacking people. But we, uh, we're going to put the words up on the screen. And uh, yeah, just come Holy Spirit.
There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you 
Wow, what a worship. Let's hear it for the worship team. And let's hear it for our God that inspires that worship team. Amen, amen, amen. Awesome job. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Well, welcome. Hello, hello. I see lots of new faces. I see lots of faces that I haven't seen here for a while. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are excited. Each and every one of you has decided to join us today. Thank you, thank you for being here. May you be blessed by being a part of us this morning. Pastor Scott Purdom is 
preaching today on Ruth, which of course you might guess is in the book of Ruth. Who would have thought, right? So we were always blessed when Pastor Scott uh, is preaching. And again, if you miss any of this, it's on Facebook tonight. You can go back and, and check it out. See some more if you'd like. Are you a small group leader? Today after the service is small group leader training. Also, if you would like to lead a small group, think that God's calling you to, for that. Uh, come and be a part of that. We have our fall book study coming up, and we'll have a little training for that, and there's some food, so you know, might want to come. Food Resource Center is closed uh, this Monday, but if you are a, a volunteer, come. Come at 5 o'clock for the training meeting, and I guess I hear there's food for that, too. So come and get a great uh, cookout meal. We have a little training, and celebrate all our awesome, amazing volunteers who work so hard. Uh, our food pantry, the last I heard, was serving about 180 families a week out of this little church, 180 families. We are blessing. So that's just amazing. Thank you. Thank you for each and every one of you who are a part of the Food Resource Center. Next Sunday... Yarn in here, folks. We all are out in the driveway, so outdoor service, so come and join the, the traditional end of the summer season with an outdoor service. So bring your chairs, sit in your car, whatever you'd like to do, but, but come back and join us next week out in the parking lot. Also coming the following Saturday, not this coming Saturday, but the Saturday after that, uh, we have our car show and bike show for those of you that are vroom vroom bike riders, and we have a few of them, and we have a few of them here in the in the, our church. So uh, come and uh, bring your car, bring your custom car, custom bike, cool car, cool bike, and display them here, or come and come and have a look at some some cool machinery. So that's coming up Saturday. The ninth, and that is from 12 to 2, again, here in the parking lot at the Vineyard. Uh, plan ahead, the CFK Christmas for Kids fundraiser dinner and raffle is coming up October 7th. You can buy your tickets in the lobby today. And please, please, please don't forget today's offering. We have a small table back in the back of the sanctuary. Um, God, God needs us to be givers. He calls us to be givers. That's one of, one of the things that we are commanded within the Bible. And so I just urge you, urge you to, to, again, consider supporting this awesome church that does so many things for so many people. And, of course, we also have our building campaign, rebuild campaign, so make sure that you kick in a little extra for that. We would appreciate it. Again, thank you all for being It is exciting to see everybody in church today. Give everybody a hand. All right. Thank you for being here. God bless. And Scott will be up to share in just a moment.
Well, good morning. <clears throat> it's a joy to be with you today. Um, last Sunday afternoon, I was sitting, doing nothing. I was sitting in front of the computer, just looking some stuff up and no doubt working hard on my sermon. Uh, but I felt a little twinge in my eye, and the next time I looked at my eye, it was, half of it was bright blood red, and before the day was over, all of the white was, was red uh, with blood. And uh, I saw my ophthalmologist on Monday. He said, it's a normal thing, um, and it'll eventually go away. But if you get grossed out by bloody eyes, sorry. But I wanted to at least, didn't, I didn't want you sitting there guessing, what's wrong with him? Now, there's lots wrong with me, but my eye's okay. All right. Um, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. As, as, as we were singing that just now, I was thinking, that's what it took um, to bring me back into the fold, to bring me back into the family of God. The overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And I ventured to say that every one of us has a story of where we once were apart from God and where we are now. And it's because of the overwhelming, reckless, never-ending, reckless love of God. Uh, so thanks for reminding us of that vineyard. Uh, worship team. And speaking of the worship team, uh, Kaylee's up there singing, and Jim's up there just smiling. <laughs> and he looks at he looks at Kaylee, and then he smiles. And uh, I'm sure it's because he's proud, but and because he's going to be a grandpa, and all of those wonderful things. But it, it was it, it was cute. Uh, Jim, I don't say you're cute very often. <laughs> With me not saying that often, yeah, I, I know, I know. So, anyway, um, I'd like to have prayer, and then we'll get, get into the sermon. Gracious God, thank you. We have been looking at the ways that you extend your call uh, to people in the Old Testament, but of course, that, ex that, that extending of the call continues up till this very day. And we pray that this morning as we think about Ruth and Naomi and Boaz and all of that, 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 that family, that you will guide our understanding, that you will bless the words that I'm saying and the ears that are hearing. Uh, and together may we listen again for your call, and may we listen for your word. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, Ruth is one of those books of the Bible that um, it's tough to just take out a couple verses and preach on a couple verses, because the story of Ruth is... The story of Ruth, and, and, and you've got to know the whole story, really, to get to get the full picture. 
And so what I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll tell you what I'm going to do today. I'm going to do an overview of, uh, of the book of Ruth, and I'll start that in just a minute. And then we're going to uh, spend a little time thinking about some implications from the book of Ruth, and uh, I might even end up with a yeah, but so what, uh, which I usually do. So an overview of the book of Ruth. So I'm going to do it by chapter, um, although I'll kind of put chapters two and three together, but uh, Ruth chapter one begins like this. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Of course, this is in Israel. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the the, the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab, and they lived there. Now, by the way, for Jews to go to Moab was uh, something, because the Moabs were... Uh, kind of the distant cousins that nobody liked. Um, and uh, so for them to go there was something because, but they went there because of the famine. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. And while they're living in Moab, they married Moabite women. One of them named Orpah. And you might say, well, that's spelled wrong. It should be Oprah. Well, maybe those those two names are related, I don't know. But this woman's name was Orpah, and the other was Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion, Naomi's two sons, also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and without her husband's. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them to the land of Judah. Now, I'm not going to read the entire book of, of Ruth today, uh, but I, I read that much to get us into the story, into the events, uh, and then I'll, I'll summarize some, some parts of this as we go on. The, uh, the, the next thing that happens is that uh, they're making preparations to go back to Israel, and Naomi tells both of her daughters-in-law that it's really... It would be good for them to return to Moab and live out their lives there. Now, why would she tell them that? Um, Three widows returning to Jerusalem, to Israel, with no one to, no family there. Her sons have died, her husband has died, Ruth and, and Orpah are 
outsiders. And she just thinks that, Naomi thinks it would be easier and better for the girls, for the young ladies, to at least have family around them. And so, they, so she tells them that they can go back to, um, to Moab. And both the girls, I'm going to say girls, both the women, um, say, no, we'll, we'll go with you. But Naomi is insistent, and she tells them again, no, it, it, it's, good, it's good for you to do that. Um, and so Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and said goodbye. Not without some misgivings, I'm sure, uh, but she did. And Ruth has this amazing, wonderful reply. It's found in verses 16 through 18 of chapter 1. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Now, if I, if I started the next sentence with, Whither thou goest, you would immediately perk up and say, Oh, I've heard that at weddings. Whither thou goest, I will go. The context is different when it was actually spoken. Where you go, I will go. And this is Ruth speaking to Naomi. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Now, what is it that, that, that Ruth is saying? She said, I'm willing to give up everything in my life, my family, my gods, plural, everything that's familiar to me, I'm willing to give all of that up because of my love for my mother-in-law. Comedians today would have nothing to say if every daughter-in-law loved their mother-in-law like that. <clears throat> where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will say, your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Now, I think it's important at this point to realize that Naomi, because of her love for her daughters-in-law for both of them she was willing to give up her only hope of, of really survival um, by telling these daughter-in-laws that you go back to your to Moab where you have a chance at life and that was a sacrifice for Ruth to do that because she's giving she's, she's telling the, the only people she's got left to depend on you can go back. And she did that because she loved them and she wanted them to have a good life. And perhaps it was that unselfish love of Naomi 
that prompted Ruth's affirmation of love for, for Naomi. So the end result is that Naomi and Ruth, Orpah has gone back to Moab, Naomi and Ruth trudge back to Israel. And when Naomi comes back, she says to anyone that will listen, I'm empty. Call me Mara, M-A-R-A, which means bitter. My name is Job. Poor me. And that's really what, what Naomi is saying. She said, Every, everything bad that could happen has happened to me. I'm coming back completely empty and bitter. But you know what? She did not come back empty. She came back with Ruth, who, as we will see, eventually changes Naomi's life forever. I wonder if Ruth thought, Oy vey, what am I, chopped liver? You know, she's not coming back empty. She's coming back with someone who has expressed her undying love to her. So, that basically brings us to the end of chapter 1. Now, what are these two widows, Naomi and Ruth, what are they going to do? How are they going to survive? Well, they, Naomi says, well, you know, there is this thing in, in, in Israel where, where when they're getting the, the harvest from the fields, they can make one pass, and whatever they don't get in the first time is left to be gleaned by people who are in need. So she says... Naomi says to Ruth, you should go glean in the fields. And it just so happens, Ruth is, or Naomi is remembering now, you know, maybe I'm not completely empty. I also have a kinsman whose name is Boaz. He was a relative of Elimelech, her, her deceased husband. And she tells Ruth, why don't you go glean in the field, in the fields owned by Boaz? And so she does. Now, in, in my NIV Bible, it gives uh, titles to portions of the, of the scripture as it goes along. And chapter 2 is entitled, Ruth Meets Boaz in the Grain Field. Hmm. So what happens in the grain field? Well, Ruth meets Boaz. And uh, she catches Boaz's eye. He observes her. He, he talks to her. Finds out who she is. And he says, you know, I know what kind of people work in my fields. 
And I know that it's probably not safe for an unguarded woman with no one else, no one to help her, to be in the fields by herself. And you can imagine what might happen. Mostly guys working in the fields. They see a young woman, and your imagination doesn't have to go very far to imagine things that could happen. And in fact, this is so true that, that Boaz tells Ruth, he says, you should only glean in my field. And I'll tell my workers to keep their mitts off of you. doesn't say it quite like that. But he does. I mean, he, he says, not only that, not only is he looking out for her safety, but he's looking out for her well-being because he tells his workers, be particularly sure that you leave plenty to glean. Um, and so she does. Or they, they do, and she does. And she gets more and more. She gathers enough food that's going to last them for, for some time. And of course, Naomi is thrilled. She's thrilled, number one, because Ruth has discovered Boaz. And she remembers Boaz as being a kinsman of of her husband Elimelech and uh, so chapter 3 in my Bible has a title which says Ruth and Boaz at the threshing floor and the threshing floor of course is where the the, the wheat is processed and uh, as you go along it says one day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find, find a home for you where you will be well provided. Now Boaz, see, she's thinking, Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be, at the winnowing bar, he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Now that's not normal gleaning attire. <clears throat> Get dressed and put on your best clothes and perfume. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. Now, what do men do after they eat and drink? They go to sleep. And they say, no, I'm just resting my eyes. <laughs> when he lies down, note the place where he is lying. And this is Naomi giving instruction to Boaz or Naomi giving instruction to Ruth. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he'll tell you what to do. Now, without going into much detail, there are other places in Scripture where uncovering someone's feet is uncovering something else. Um, and I don't need to get into the nitty-gritty there, but you can, your imagination is already up there. Um, so, particularly with the best clothes and the perfume and all of that. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. 
When Boaz had finished eating and drinking, was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quickly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet, or whatever. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Now, guardian redeemer, that's an important concept in the book of Ruth. Uh, and, and in the book uh, in, in the Israelite nation it goes back to Leviticus chapter 25 um, and in Leviticus chapter 25 which is talks about the year of jubilee when things are restored and, and, and wonderful things can happen but there's a repeating phrase in this chapter and it starts in verse 25. If one of your fellow Israelites becomes poor and sells some of their property, their nearest relative is to come and redeem what they have sold. Redeemer, kinsman, redeemer, nearest relative, redeeming. If, however, there is no one to redeem it for them, but later on they prosper and acquire sufficient means to redeem it themselves, they are de- to determine the value. Okay, then... If they make it on their own, then there's other things that go on. Um, If any of your fellow Israelites become poor, this is in verse 35 of Leviticus chapter 25. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would help a foreigner, as you would a foreigner and a stranger, so they can continue to live among you. Verse 38, if any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to you, do not make them work as slaves. They are to be treated as hired workers or temporary residents among you. You see, they said, we're going to treat people like people. We're going to extend help where help is needed. Particularly for for relatives. And so, Boaz is a relative, a kinsman redeemer uh, for Naomi and Ruth. So, Ruth says, um, you know, who she is, and she says, so she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He, he also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured in, into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did it go, my daughter? She told her everything that Boaz had done for her. He gave me six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled. And then at that point, Boaz obviously has an interest in Ruth. But there is a closer relative than Boaz. And so Boaz goes into the public square, and he talks to the other kinsman redeemer, the one who is closer, 
And he says, here's the situation, and he explains it. He said, you can redeem the, the property of, that belonged to Elimelech and Naomi. But if you, and, and he said, I'll do it. I'll buy the land. And then Boaz says, but if you do that, you have to marry Ruth. And the kinsman redeemer said, well, I can't do it. He's got other obligations, which works out fine for Boaz because Boaz wants to marry Ruth, which they do. In fact, the chapter title for chapter 4 is Boaz Marries Ruth. Guardian redeemer marries, marries Ruth. Now, Ruth and Boaz get married. Ruth gives birth to, and now in case you're looking for a name for a boy, Obed. <laughs> nice and short, O-B-E-D, Obed. I don't know if you're having a boy or a girl, uh, but just keep that in mind. Ruth gives birth to Obed. Now, you might be scratching your head at, at some point, saying, why is this book in the Bible? You know, it's, it's a good story. Uh, it's interesting. But why is this book in the Bible? We haven't seen any great preaching. We haven't seen any great awakening. Why is this book in the Bible? Well, we find out at the very end of chapter 4, starting with verse 18. This, then, is the family line of Perez. Perez that was the father of Hezron, who we haven't heard anything about up to this point. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz. Oh, Boaz, we've heard of him. Boaz, the father of, what's your son's name again? Obed. <clears throat> Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, who is in the royal line that our Savior comes from. And suddenly, oh, that's why this book's in the Bible. So that when you read Matthew chapter 1, and you read in the lineage of Jesus, you see the name Ruth. Well, who is Ruth, and how did she get in there? And then you can go back, and now you know. However, there's still a little problem here, and the problem is that Brent said the sermon series is going to be on calls in the Old Testament. And uh, we're looking at call stories, and Ruth has no call. Uh, Nowhere do we see a burning bush. Nowhere do we hear a voice coming from heaven. Uh, Tim Keller said this about Ruth, about the book. He said, no, there is nothing in the book of Ruth that's miraculous. There are no miracles. There are no dreams. There are no visions. There are no words from God in her head. This is a book for people who look around their life and they see absolutely no dramatic answers to prayer, no dramatic events of any sort. 
They see nothing but mundane times and hard times. The book of Ruth is trying to say in the mundane and in the hard times, God is still at work. And that's true. He is still there. He's still at work, working in 10,000 ways for his glory and your good, even though you don't see it. You must learn to see the signs of hope that he's working hidden under the surface. William Cowper wrote a, I'm not sure if it was a a, a poem or a hymn, uh, but the words go like this, and it speaks of that, of not necessarily seeing everything that's actually happening. William Cowper wrote, he says, Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The buds may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds are so much dread. The the clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Now I was reminded of the hymn, There Shall Be Showers of Blessing Sent from the Heaven Above. And that's all I'm going to do with that. Um, so, yeah, showers of blessing, that's right. Uh, so I think about Ruth's call. And I think Ruth did have a call. I think she had a call to love and to love obediently and without reservation. She had a call to love God. She had a call to love Naomi, whither thou goest, I will go. She had a call to save a family because while Boaz becomes the kinsman redeemer, none of it would have happened had Ruth not been there. And she had a call to be in the lineage of Jesus. So when we think about, yeah, but so what? Let me say, share a few things. First is, I think that call is as varied and personal as there are people. That is, that God works with every person in, in a way that, he needs, that God needs to for, for that person. And you might say, but I've never heard a call. And I would say this, the absence of a distinct call in your life The absence of a distinct call in your life does not mean that God isn't working in your life. Thank you. That's true. There are thousands of ways that God is at work, and we cannot see them all. Who knows? Now think about this. If there had been no Ruth, there would have been no Obed, who's going to have a... Uh, someone else named that. Named that. Uh, and if there had been no Obed, there would have been no David. Now, I, you could almost say, and then there would have been no Jesus. But, but God was going to get Jesus here no matter what. But as it happened, Ruth was in the line because 
of her love for God and her love for, for Naomi and Boaz and Obed and all of that. So I want to say that there's always a call to follow Jesus in your life. I want to say that it is, there's always a call to love others. And also, you might say, well, I've, you know, I'm X number of years old, and I've never had a call yet. And then I would want to say that it is never too late or too early to receive a call to a specific ministry. How old was Moses when he saw the burning bush? 80 years old. Now, I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand if they're 80 or over, but there's, there's maybe a few people here um, for whom that's true. Was God finished with Moses when Moses was 80? No. No. In fact, he accomplished quite a bit over the next 40 years. Went down, stood up to Pharaoh, led the people out of, the, out of Egypt and through the wilderness, right up to the brink of, going, of entering the promised land. And last week we heard about Samuel, who was just a young boy um, when God called him. And Brent told us that about that last week. So let me finish by saying this, and I think this is a true statement. God does not call perfect people because there, was, there would be no one to call. Perfect people do not exist unless you put modifiers. There are people who are perfect idiots. There are, there are people who are perfect Whatever. Well, you, you, you get the idea. Um, but God does not call perfect pe- people because they do not exist. Instead, God calls people like me and you and Ruth and Obed and, uh, and Brent and Dave and Bruce and Martha and Suzette, and Jackie, and Terry. I I think God has a call on every person in this room. That whole row right there, called. This row right here, called. Next row, called. Next row. It's true. So I, uh, there's the rest of my sermon. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say except that listen for God's call. And it may sound ridiculous, but listen to it and pray about it and see where God's going to lead you next because he will and he does. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank you. I want to thank you for this church, which has been called to ministry in Wycliffe, Ohio, and, and beyond. We're called to minister in, to small groups and on Sunday morning and on, uh, in youth groups and car shows and food banks and 
one-on-one conversations throughout the week, wherever we are. We're also called to, to listen, to be sensitive to, to God when, when God is calling us. Um, and it's important for us to remember that many people who are called, their, their first reaction was, well, obviously not me. Moses said, no, you can't mean me. Um, Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. You obviously can't mean me. But God did. And God accomplished great things through those he, he has called. And God has a call on your life. Lord, help us to have ears to hear and hearts to receive your call wherever it comes and whenever it comes. And may we together serve you and serve others in the ways that you have called us. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our service is over. Uh, We always have prayer here at the front. If you'd like to come up for prayer, if you think God's Maybe you've heard a call and, and you, you want to talk to somebody about it. Maybe you've got other things you want to talk about. That's fine, too. But we invite you to do that. Uh, if you're staying for the small group thing, uh, that'll start in 15 minutes or so. I don't know, wherever. But it's going to be in the fellowship hall. God bless you all. Have a great day. Amen.